Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. I'm going to start with a joke, and if you like it, it's Pastor Sherry. If you don't, I'm Pastor Judy, J-U-D-Y. Some of you didn't know my husband, Pastor Bob, and I'm telling you, if you think this is edgy, it is not even close to what Bob used to tell you. So, One day, two nuns were inside the church, and they were painting when the air conditioning went out, and it was by far one of the hottest days of the year, and soon the heat was more than they could stand, and they had to get the painting done that day, so one of the nuns suggested that they take off their heavy garments because they were the only ones that were in the church. Well, the other nun said, okay, but I don't have anything under mine. Well, I don't either, said the first nun, but who's going to see us? See, now you're all paying attention. <laughs> Amazing how I got your attention. And so they got undressed, and they began to paint again, and they were much more comfortable, and they were doing quite well, when suddenly there was a knock at the door. They both froze and said, who is it? It's the blind man from down the street, a man answered from behind the door. Well, the nuns talked it over, and they decided there was no harm to let him in because he was blind, and so they opened the door, and a man walked in with his arm full of boxes, and he took one look at the nuns and with a puzzled expression said, where do you want me to hang these blinds? <laughs> I'm just saying... I'm going to be talking to you about seeing is believing about faith, and if I was going to give you my message in one sentence, I would tell you this, uh, this afternoon, faith is seen from God's perspective. And literally, I had written um, my notes, and the Lord woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and had me redo, and so I'm going to pray before I start, because he woke me up, and I feel like the words he gave me, well, obviously, he woke me up because he has words that he has for you this morning. So, God, I pray that hearts will be receptive and ears will be open. And, Lord, I pray it'll be less of me and your anointing and your power through your word. Father, I pray that there will be a literal transformation in our thinking and in our hearts. I pray, God, that where there's a foothold or a stronghold, we'll see a breakthrough. I pray, God, that whatever challenge we're facing, whatever hurt or obstacle we'll face, we're facing, that you will come in and supernaturally do your work, God. So thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. Thank you for the transformation that's going to take place in your name. Amen. Listen, our perspective is the most important thing in our life, like how we look at things, how we look at God, how we look at ourselves, how we look at our problems, our family, our future, our past, the people around us. Your perspective will literally determine whether you're going to be happy or unhappy, whether you're going to enjoy the journey or you're just going to endure the journey. The Bible says that the way you look at life has a lot to do with your faith. In fact, it says that seeing and believing go together. Hebrews 11.1, 1, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, it says, What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we can't see it up ahead. That's out of the Living Bible. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Faith is seen from God's perspective. When we look at things through eyes of fear, two things happen. We overestimate our difficulties, and we underestimate the power and what God can do. 
When we look at things through eyes of faith, we become confident and we walk in God's power. So I'm going to do a re-paraphrasal on the story of Moses. The Israelites were in slavery for 400 years, and he led the children of Israel to freedom. And they had gone through the 10 plagues, and they had seen miracles. And when they were getting away, literally Charlton Heston, I mean Moses, parted the Red Sea, and he led them through. He led them through like the sea opened up. He led them through, and then the sea closed when the chariots and the soldiers were chasing them. And they were going to go to the promised land. It was a two-week journey, but it took them 40 years to get there. Why? Because they were walking in fear. The Bible says that when they were getting close to the promised land, they came up to a place called Kadesh, and it was the entry point to the promised land, and they had to make the decision if they were going to move forward or if they were going to step back. And when they got there, Moses said, let's send in some spies to see what the land looks like. So he sent in 12 spies. Ten of them came back and said, there's giants. They're humongous. There's no way that we'll be okay. Two of the spies came back and said, we can do this through the Lord. Unfortunately, he went with the majority. But I'm going to teach you a song. Now listen, I'm a school teacher, and I know that you will want to go to lunch, but if you do not participate, I'm just telling you, I am a school teacher. I taught kindergartners. It is ingrained in me that if you don't participate, we will just stay and hold steady till you participate. So I will show you the song I'm going to teach you. And now you will know why I'm not on the worship team. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes in clusters fall. Oh. Some saw God rule over all. Ten were bad and two were good. Good job. Okay, get ready. You're going to do it with me. Put your goggles on. Listen, I can see you, and I know in the back row you think I can't see you, but I can tell you're not putting your goggles on. Get those goggles up, guys. Oh, good job. Okay, 12 men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. Goggles up. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes in clusters fall. Oh, oh, you guys are good. Some saw God rule over all. Ten were bad and two were good. Good job. So they decided they weren't going to go because they were afraid. Really, really sad that they wandered in the desert for the rest of their life. Because when you walk in fear, what happens? You overestimate your difficulties. It says in the Living Bible, Numbers 13, 28, the people living there are powerful and their cities are fortified and they're very large. What's more, we saw Anakim giants there. And the other spies said, Numbers 13, 31, they'll crush us. And the majority report of the spies was negative. They had had the most incredible victory in history against the most powerful nation of the world. They'd been in slavery for 400 years, and now they were afraid to go forward. What problems are you facing that seem so big you can't overcome it? When you see things through the eyes of fear, your problems get bigger and bigger. I was walking my dog, Molly, 
And um, I don't have Molly anymore, but I so remember this moment. We were going up a hill. She's a Siberian Husky, and they're very cocky and sassy, and they just think that they rule the world. And we're walking, and as we went up the hill, there was a big black dog that looked like a bear. And it was coming down the hill, and she's walking ahead of me because Huskies think they're in charge. And then she looks at the dog, and as it's getting closer, it is getting bigger and bigger. So she pauses, and then she moves back a bit, and then she attaches herself to my leg, and then she goes behind me, and she's pushing me, and then her head is coming through my legs, and she's looking at this dog. Good job, Molly. And so I always carry a golf club, and so I was carrying my golf club, and I went, scat! Go away! Get out of here! And the dog ran off. And then she came out from behind me and just walked all confident and all cocky. And I thought, well, that was really bad. And I looked at her and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Sherry, that's what you do in the spiritual realm. You look at things in your life and somehow you think that they're bigger and bigger than they are when reality is you need to go towards them and through my power just say, go away! and it'll be fine. What challenges are you facing? Are you allowing your problems to get bigger and bigger? The second thing we do is we underestimate what God can do through us and his power and strength. Literally, it says in Numbers 13:33 that they said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. I mean, talk about low self-esteem. They were afraid that the giants were going to eat them for lunch, and God had just delivered them and done miracles for them. They had been slaves for 400 years, but mentally, even though they had escaped, they were still enslaved. Here's what the Lord woke me up to tell you, my friends. They had been conditioned so long to be slaves that even after they were freed, they were thinking, we're helpless. We can't do this. We're nothing were like insects, and they were mentally enslaved when literally they'd been set free. So let me get personal with you this afternoon. What are you enslaved to? What are you hanging on to? Why are you hanging on to that and not letting the Lord come and flow through you? Don't see things with eyes of fear. You need to see things with eyes of God's faith and know you're a child of God. So if you're struggling with anger, just know, through Christ, I can overcome my anger. Some of you are struggling with addictions, and know that through Christ, you will make it through that addiction. Some of you are struggling financially, and know that through the Lord, you're going to walk with wisdom, and you'll have favor. Some of you are struggling with relationships, and you're thinking, well, it's never going to change. That is stinking thinking. Know that through the Lord, there can be a miracle in your relationship. Some of you have had things spoken over you in your life. You're fat. You're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything, and you're enslaved still to that thinking. The enemy wants to grab you and have you just be enslaved and overwhelmed and discouraged where you won't move forward, and the Lord wants you to let go of that because your perspective is what can defeat you. See, here's the point. The spies came, and they said, there's tall people in there. And there was, at that point, a, a tribe of tall people in Israel. They were like the NBA giants because the Israelites were short. And they felt even shorter compared to these giants. But they found out later that this giant tribe was a friendly tribe. They wouldn't have hurt them. 
And they were actually afraid of the Israelites because they had heard about how the sea was parted and the chariots and the army that followed them got devoured. It was the short, squatty people that were going to fight them. They had it all mixed up. Their perspective defeated them. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 says, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not knocked out. Love that scripture. How do you become healthy and resilient? You need to keep moving forward no matter what you're facing. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 4 says, We don't focus our attention, our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. There's two worlds. You're looking at me, you see the beautiful Christmas trees with the presents. You see the beautiful wreath on the, on the podium. You see all this stuff, and 300 years from now, it's not going to be here. Listen, my precious friends, the bottom line is we need to focus on what's eternal. What's eternal is our Heavenly Father, our relationship with Him, how we interact and what we do with the people around us. We have eternity with Him, and we get so hung up on things that are so temporary, and a lot of times things we get hung up on won't even matter three months from now. Focus your attention. When you're going through a difficult time, when things look discouraging or depressing, open your eyes to God's goodness. Say goodness. Oh, you guys are so good. When you feel anxious or worried, it's always a warning light, and you know then that you're not focusing on who God is. You see, Satan wants to come in, and he wants to mobilize you. He wants you to be overwhelmed. He wants you to be so anxious and depressed and worried. He wants you to have that all-or-nothing thinking. When you make a mistake, he wants you to think, I'm a total failure. When things are difficult, he wants you to think nothing is going right. When you pray and you don't see the answer that you expected or see an answer, he wants you to think that your prayers aren't working. It's like the Chicken Little story where something fell out of the sky and Chicken Little ran around. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Listen, if I went in and turned on my kitchen sink and I didn't have water and then I ran outside and said, the whole world doesn't have water, that would be a little crazy. But the enemy, my point is, that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants you to be so overwhelmed and so discouraged that you don't see things clearly at all. I am in the process of renovating my bedroom and my bathroom, and I have a great construction team. But you know, if you've ever done anything, it doesn't always go the way you anticipate or plan, and especially right now, it is a challenging time. So in the process of doing this uh, renovation, my, my great foreman said, listen, if you have something else while the plumbers are here and while the workers are here, we'll be happy to fix it. And I have a kitchen faucet that hasn't been working, and so I was told by a plumber that I needed to replace it. He couldn't fix it. There's a picture of the bottom of my sink. So he, just stay with me. I'm going to take you on a journey. So I was doing dishes. You can tell it's wet, right? So I was doing dishes the day after Thanksgiving, and all of a sudden, my socks got soaked, and I got wet. And that is not a good thing. And I went, oh, that's not good. Open the cupboard and flood. I had a leak. So here's my plumbing skill. The whatchamacallit and the doohickey that's attached to the thingamajig, 
Well, the whatchamacallit over here was kind of broken, and the thingamajig and doohickey weren't staying up where they were supposed to be. And somehow, when they had replaced my sink, it wasn't their fault. They had moved the stuff under my sink. And uh, Bob, with his plumbing capacity about three years ago, had put something underneath all of that. So I, I now, by the way, since Bob has passed away, my grandkids um, temporarily broke the water on my fridge, and I know you can turn water off behind your fridge. My toilet has overflown, overflown, overflooded, and I know you can turn the water off by your toilet. Um, I know how to turn the water off outside my house. And now I've learned that you can turn the water off under your sink. So good for me. I'm learning all these things. So it, I know, really, give me a hand. I mean, come on. So here's the point. So I called my neighbor, Ray, because I have um, our kitchen counter, the concrete, under the sink. And I, I, first I called a plumber. And he was great. He said, I can come tomorrow. He's amazing from our church. Chris, a great man. And I thought, OK. And he said, Sherry, just turn off the water. I'll be there first thing in the morning. But you need to dry it. So then I couldn't move the, the concrete. What is it called? The counter. Granite. I couldn't move the granite. So I called one of my neighbors, Ray, and said, can you help me? My kids are laughing at me. So he came over. And I mean, I had like eight towels and a flood. And I cleaned it up. and turned off the water, and he helped me move it. And he said, I think I can fix it. And I said, I don't think you can. And he got under my sink, and he said, turn on the water. And he's messing with it. And I got him all wet because the doohickey, whatchamacallit, thingamajig, all of it leaked. And he said, it's not working. It's too short. It won't stay up there. There, I know, Don't tell me the right terms, because I know there's right terms, and I don't even care. And he said, I don't know how to fix this. And I said, I have a plumber coming tomorrow. And he said, yeah, but I think it could be fixed. And I said, I can fix it. I said, wait just a minute. I can fix it. And he said, Sherry, I don't think you understand plumbing. I said, no, wait, wait, wait. I can fix it. I brought in my cosamine, because I use it for my knees, because I walk twice a day, probably about 8 to 12 miles a day. And so I handed it to him. And, he put it underneath the doohickey, whatchamacallit, thingamajig, and he goes, wow, that fits perfect. Now it won't leak. And I thought, wow, give me a broom, and I can fix it. Give me duct tape, and I can fix it. And now give me cosamine, and I can fix it. And so, so it, it, I, I could use my sink. And he was startled. And he said, I have never seen anything like that. And my plumber came the next day. And I was saying to him, Chris, the do, all that, the whatchamacallit, do, it doesn't fit right. It's not working right. But if you have something under it, it's fine. And he got under there. And he took several pictures. And he said, I've never seen this in all my years of plumbing. But you're right. But I will take this apart and now put in the right parts, and you won't have to put that there. And so that's why Bob had that bottle under there for two years. But here's the point of the story. Never knew, just ignored it. He actually, Bob had it glued where I couldn't move it, because I wanted to move it, and I couldn't move it. When, here's, there is a point. I'll bring you back. Sorry, we went on a journey. When I, my sink flooded, I stood there and had a meltdown. And I thought, in my construction, I have great people. But I thought, construction hasn't gone real well. Because you see, my puppy, 10 months old, my Siberian Husky, got into something that the workers were using. 
and she poisoned herself and had to have her stomach pumped and go on an antibiotic because, you know, puppies eat everything. It's nobody's fault. And then I ordered a bathroom window by my tub, bigger, and it was supposed to be one of those windows you can't see through. And I ordered it in May, and it's still not here. And they said, possibly February. And I said, oh, I don't care. Just put a window in there. And then I realized when they put a bigger window that I have a big window now by my bathtub. It's OK. Don't worry about it. I have shutters ordered. And um, then, <laughs> and this is nobody's fault, I left for a while, and my workers um, decided I have a Lowe's put in the shelves and the drawers. You know, you put your thing together. They pulled all of that apart and brought it out of my closet, and it's all over my house. So it had been a rough week, and I stood there and had a meltdown of, you know, poor me, nothing's going right. And then I had to stop, and I realized that is just the enemy. These are minor things. And I was amazed at how I melted down over minor things, and I got upset because I was discouraged. And then I had to realize that God is a good God and that I had a neighbor that came and helped me. I had a plumber that was coming. And so here's my point. Psalms 27, 13 through 14 says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Listen, my friends, you might not have a sink that's misbehaving. You have challenges. I know they're real, but the bottom line, it doesn't matter what it is. Get your focus off of how you feel and get your eyes on God and who he is and what he says about himself. Focus on his promises. You can give the Lord a hand. I mean, if you walk around and say, I feel so bad, my finances are never going to change, this relationship's never going to change, it won't. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. Emotionally healthy people see the goodness of God, even in the tragedies of life. I was walking the next day, and I was just thanking the Lord for who he was, and I realized when I was walking, you know, we all think about dieting now that we've eaten so much and we're going into the holidays, and we have people all over the world that are starving. We worry about our future and what we're going to do, and we have people that are barely surviving. We worry about our house payments. I'm worried about my house and just the process I'm going through. There are people that are homeless, and they're not even warm at night, and they're not even eating. So many people don't have much of anything, and we have to come in and do a refocus. Focus on God's goodness. They're going to put another picture up. When I walk, I often walk and time it where I can see the sunrise. I could see the sunrise every day. I would never get tired of it. I would never say, well, you've seen one, you've seen them all. I look at the sunrise, and I stand there, and I think, God, you are a majestic God. You are an awesome God. I'm amazed at the color and the beauty and the splendor of what you've done. My precious friends, focus on the goodness of God. And then that takes me into when you're feeling defeated, focus on the greatness of who God is. Because, you know, life doesn't always go the way we anticipated. Life doesn't always go the way that you planned. And sometimes you get pummeled and the enemy hits you with so many things that just like when I stood and cried at my sink, we run out of emotional energy and we have to stop and not go on our feelings and our emotions, but on who God is and his power and how he's going to take care of us. Don't let the enemy come in and say to you, why should I even try? Don't let the enemy come in if you're working on a relationship and say, it's not getting any better, what's the point? Don't let the enemy come in when you're praying and say, God's not hearing my prayers. Focus on the greatness of God. Psalms 147, 5 and 6 says, How great is our Lord, his power is absolute. 
His understanding is beyond comprehension. The Lord supports the humble, and he brings the wicked into the dust. Focus on his power. Don't focus on your situation. Focus on your Savior. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do through him and his strength. My precious friends, God can do anything. His word says nothing is impossible through him. I think when we get discouraged, we've forgotten who God is, and we're looking at how big our problems are instead of how powerful and how mighty and how big God is. God is so powerful and so mighty, we can't even comprehend or understand who he is. Psalms um, 69, 13 through 15 says, God, because of your great love, answer me. You are truly able to save. Pull me from the mud and do not let me sink. Do not let the flood drown me. That David wrote that, and that verse has resonated in my spirit since Bob passed away because there's days when I feel like I'm in quicksand because I don't have Bob to glue something under the sink or fix something, and I have to just stop and say, God, you are God. Thank you that I can think clearly. I have resources, <coughs> and you're going to see me through this. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. God specializes, my precious friends, in our, in our impossibilities. Things that everybody says can't be done, God can do it. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? What you've been telling God is too hard for him to do isn't too hard for him to do because nothing's impossible. And then when you feel overwhelmed, focus on the closeness of God. When the Lord woke me up, he wanted me to tell you, some of you do not know that God is going to take care of you. You do not know that in your spirit. You do not believe that. It says in Psalms 112, 1 through 8, and I'm pulling from those verses, Praise the Lord, for all who fear God and trust in him are blessed beyond expression. When darkness overtakes him, light will come bursting in. Such a man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. He does not fear bad news nor live in a dread of what may happen, for he is settled in his mind that God will take care of him. John, can I borrow you? <coughs> Our perspective, it gets all messed up. Something happens and we become afraid. Go ahead, you can whistle at him. I know you want to whistle at him. We become afraid. <laughs> Knock it off. And then we, we pick up anger. Some of us get lonely. Don't move because I don't want you to fall down the steps because it wouldn't be a good thing. Your, 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 your sister's saying, go forward two steps. <laughs> Oh, what, is, what is wrong with this my is the stickiness? Service. It has no more stickiness. On well, it. these were new ones, but okay, some of us have fear. <laughs> some of us are discouraged. All right, the enemy does not want this illustration to work. I don't know what the deal is. Critical spirit, anxious, you get the jest. Okay, you can't see when you take on all those emotions. You can't see clearly, and you need to say, Lord, I give you my critical spirit. 
Lord, I give you my anxiety. Lord, I give you my anger. Lord, I'm discouraged, but I know that you are my provider. Lord, I thank can you I that I can see things with, with faith. Thanks, John. <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm up here coughing. I encourage you to settle it today in your spirit that God's going to take care of you. Listen, I don't know what your future holds, but I know who holds your future. I don't know what's going to come next, but I know who's already there ahead of you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Psalms 34:18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is good. God is great. God cares about you. Discouragement happens when we walk in fear. Discontentment happens when we walk in fear. The Israelites grumbled. They grumbled and grumbled, and they ended up not getting to the promised land. And then after that, you can move into despair of God's not going to take care of me. God will take care of you. My puppy, Gracie, I gave her a bone. She took that bone and buried the bone. Of course, she buried it in my flowers. And then she dug the bone up, and it was dirty and smelly. And she took that bone, and she kept chewing on it, and then she buried it in my yard. She would never bury it in the same place. But she kept burying the bone, and, and then dig it up, and then she'd have the bone. And it smelled, and it was dirty and crummy. And so I had a little piece of steak, and I went out, and I was like, Gracie, come here. Come here, Gracie, here's steak. And I went to take the bone from her, and she would not give it to me, and she growled at me, and she hung on to that bone. And I thought, well, that is double dumb and dumber than dumb. The Lord said to me, all she knows is that bone. She doesn't know what steak's like. And when the Lord woke me up to tell me what to say to you, some of you are hanging on to a bone because you think it's safe and you think it's secure, and the bottom line is it's not safe. You are confusing safety with being enslaved because the Lord has something special for you, and you will not let go of what you don't know any different. What is it that you're hanging on to? You, if you'll let go of it, he has something better for you. You see, when you're a slave, you can blame everybody else. When you step out on faith, you have to take responsibility for your actions. Please don't confuse slavery with safety and safety. Some of you need to let go of things and let the Lord come in and take control. I speak over all of you that you will let go of living your life in fear. When you walk in faith, you become confident. You're confident that God will take care of you. You're confident that he's in control because, my precious friends, our attitude and our perspective are everything in life. It's a matter of faith. What words are you speaking? If you say you'll never get out of debt, you'll never get out of debt. If you say in the relationship things will never change, they'll never change. Where are you at? And when you walk with faith, God gives you power. Joshua 1.9 says, Be bold and strong, banish fear and doubt, for remember the Lord our God is with you wherever you go. 2 Chronicles 20.17, You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. 
I speak over all of you that you won't be afraid, you won't be discouraged, that you will go out and face whatever challenge you have. Whether it's in your family, with your kids, with your mate, with somebody in your family, that you'll know that things are going to change, that God's going to use you. Whether it's your finances, that you'll know that God will give you creative ideas. He'll give you not just one job opportunity, two job opportunities. And I pray that if it's your future and you're uncertain about what to do next, you'll know that He is guiding and directing your every footstep. There's no way that we'll see with eyes of faith unless we release things to our Heavenly Father. We need to see things with spiritual eyes. You see, at the cause, our prayer for you is that you'll see things with faith and not with fear. We believe that when things look impossible, you'll know that all things are possible through Him who strengthens you. We believe that when you look at things through faith, you'll know that you might be an ordinary person, but God can take you to do extraordinary supernatural things. How big is your God? I'm going to ask John because I'm losing my voice to come up and pray for you. But as he's coming up, if you're struggling with something in your life, would you raise your hand so we can agree with you in prayer? Yeah, go ahead and close your eyes. I see hands going up all over. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.